I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Ooh, yeah. Uh, it's Friday. It gets artsy in these parts. Uh, August 26, 2022. <laughs> You're looking at Morning Combat. You're looking at your boy, BC, the Brian Campbell, but you're looking at an under-the-weather, beaten-down, desolate, pro- likely sterile Luke Thomas. Luke, are you going to survive this? Do you have the Colombian COVID? Are you upset that I brought your country into that? What the hell's going on right now? No, I took the... It's not COVID. I mean, you know, when I had it, this feels totally different, and I took two tests, and they're both negative. My daughter was sick for the last couple of days on our trip, and it looks like she gave me whatever she had. And it's terrible and beating the balls off of me, but uh, what else is new? You know what I'm Luke, saying? Luke, Latin women have taken everything you've worked for, and you've seemed okay <laughs> with that up to this point. You know what I mean? That's, that's, yeah. that's really, it's yeah. really quite true. Uh, I, had the sh- I had the chills last night and, uh, and a bunch of other things, and I was sweating through my sheets, and it was really just oh, awful. Oh, wow. Did you pee blood or I think we've gone too far? Uh, Luke, great to have you. Great to have you back from vacation. I hope you survive this show, let alone the rest of your life. Uh, You're looking at an award-winning program right here. Sorry we started a little bit late. Technical difficulties will be what they will be, but you can... You can certainly like this video and subscribe and follow us on social and do all that great stuff that helps us take this show to the next level, including... If you like awards, I mean, I'm not asking you to vote. Do what the hell you want. Some people, Luke, are suddenly like, oh, these MK guys are are prostituting votes. I don't give a damn. I'm still going to be cracking these yes. bad jokes. You know okay? what I am, BC? You know what I am? A whore. Yeah. A whore for votes. <laughs> well, I'm whore it up any day of the week. This QR code might not even work anymore. If it doesn't, here's the deal. WorldMMAAwards.com slash nominees. We won Best MMA Programming last year. We're back again, okay? Ariel, Rogan, Dana, you're in our crosshairs. Thank you. Vote if you love us. Uh, Luke, I'm going to get right into the show except for one more piece of news. UFC YouTube channel uh, <laughs> republishing the uh, four-minute media uh, hit job video? Like, I don't get it. Dude. What happened here? Is it because the... Dude. I, you know what happened? I don't, How, I don't I get it. It's, it's unbelievable that they put that back up uh, in part because it's like, dude, how sensitive do you have to be to want to relitigate that yeah. all over again and again with like totally wrong None misleading of it's true. information None of it's yeah, true. i know None i know of- it's it's fucking insane that they would put that back up yeah. but you know what are you gonna do they took a headline from a story that had nothing to do with that i mean they did a lot of things there shout out brandon wise of cbs sports showing up in that but look that's our show you know who we are why don't we get right into the middle of it we'll start right now topic one on this Friday, hey, how about one championship? Actually, right now, one championship 160 is the card that's going on in uh, Singapore. But tonight is a big night for the promotion. 
Same arena there in Singapore. 10 p.m. Eastern start is the main card. It's one on Prime Video 1 or Fight Night 161. I don't know what you're going to call it. Luke Thomas, we're going to call it Demetrius Johnson uh, trying to run it back after winning the one uh, Bantamweight tournament but then losing to current and defending Bantamweight champion Adriano Moraes by vicious uh, knee to the face while he was down, which is legal in 1FC. You know we had DJ on the couch for Room Service Diaries. But not only is this a big fight for the promotion and the twilight arc of one of the greatest we've ever seen in this sport, Mighty Mouse, it's also the promotion's kickoff in primetime here on American television. They were on TNT last year. Now we're on streaming Amazon Prime Video. Here we go. Luke Thomas, you care about this fight? I've gotten pretty fired up. Maybe it was prepping for the DJ interview, but I like their first fight. I like this rivalry. How are you feeling about 1FC making making that move toward invading America here? I, I think this is a much better fit than TNT. I don't know exactly what Amazon has in store for, or rather I should say this, like, what does Amazon consider a success here? Like, what do the numbers need to be? Because obviously it's not just about one. It's about the larger package of offerings that they're probably going to have with streaming, of course, with, I think, the NFL and everything else and and, and, and more original content that they want to create. And so you just wonder, like, where do they fit into that? But because it's not all on them, right? So if you're airing on TNT during that slot, you have to really deliver. And they didn't. The ratings were abysmal. Um so that didn't work. But if you're part of a larger operations where you can get in certain kinds of, um, you know, uh, customers, and again, it's the coveted male demographic that they're looking for at 25 to 34, whatever. So it remains to be seen exactly what success looks like. But I do think it's a better fit. And to your point about the main event itself, yeah, I, I really like this main event. The first one was kind of interesting. And the result, I think, for many of us, at least at the time, was pretty surprising. DJ went into that fight as a pretty huge favorite, and now it, I think if you look at the odds, Morice is a slight favorite, something like that. I have to double check. Although here's what's weird, BC: a lot of American odds makers don't put odds down yes. on one fights, which is something that I don't really. There's there's probably a story we should look into there. I don't really know what that means. Also, their weigh-ins were a complete fucking disaster, and anybody who goes out there and repeats the bullshit. That one has figured out weight cutting. It's like, dude, how, how naive of a person do you have to? Pro probably the same folks who like watch the Dana White video on the, the COVID thing and like, yeah, this is very, <laughs> this is very convincing. Probably the same kind of gullible donks who uh, you know think that they've solved weight cutting. But either way, fight itself, fight itself, high, high level of anticipation. Can't wait to see it. As a matter of fact. Uh, you mentioned the weight system, and for people that don't know, that one uses a way different rehydration policy. We've had Rich Franklin, uh, you know, a vice Do president they? in one, explain it, defend it, talk about it. What Luke is referencing at yesterday's weigh-in for this card was that five fighters missed the hydration weight that you you have to be under after initially making weight, including the champion Marish. Two made hydration but missed weight the first time. Two were, quote, unable to provide hydration samples and didn't weigh in at all. But as typically happens on one cards, a couple hours later, Luke, you see a tweet that everything's fine. Everybody's in. It is what right. it is, I guess, at the end of the day, right? Or I don't think, I, I, here's the thing. I don't think fans really care. I don't think the fighters really care. If they did, you'd hear, maybe hear more about it. I don't really know. But this idea that they have scientifically worked out a clear, demonstrable system that any other promotion could simply look at and borrow is complete, total 
bullshit. It it's not true at all. Chill out with that shit. Look, remember there was that that issue with with uh, odds makers over a, a fight card being tape delayed. What promotion was that? That wasn't one recently. PFL. Right? That was PFL. That was PFL. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I want to make sure I get that right. Uh, you mentioned about the odds. Very few books offering it, but from what I see right here, plus one ten for Demetrius Johnson, minus one thirty eight Adriano Moraes. Luke, let's talk about Adriano Moraes. Thirty three years old from Brazil, five inch height advantage over DJ, three inch reach advantage. They fought, of course, uh, going back to what here? All, April of 2021, and not only did Moraes get a second-round finish via knees to the face, he, he defended that title at 1X, getting a submission win in his next fight. So, Luke, is he... I mean, would you go as far as saying he's he's one of the underreported best stories in MMA? Maybe not best stories, but is he one of the better fighters globally that very few people are talking about? Yeah, for sure. Again, I don't think many of us expected him to beat Demetrius Johnson. I think in general, at least for North American audiences, one kind of operates almost exclusively as a hardcore fan's delight. Um, so there's just not a lot of visibility about him. Like, you know, when was the last time you read an Adriano Moraes interview, even if, even if it was translated? Probably not recently, right? So this guy is not all that visible. Although I saw him... I think I want to say with Kayla Harrison when we were at the last uh, World MMA Awards, BC, if memory serves. But, um, but you, you know, this is the part about being a hardcore fan, right? Like, you you get to know and you at least get to be aware of, I should say, a lot of the things that casual fans miss. Like, the, the reward for being a, a hardcore fan is that you get to see all these... Like, the, the casual fan is just going to pay attention to McGregor or some of the bigger fights in UFC and, and probably call it a day. But if you're a hardcore fan, you get to see the different types of promotions, a lot of different kinds of styles of fighting. Again, one, I don't their weight cut system is just, you know, a complete joke, but their rule set, I actually think is the best one in MMA. I love yeah. their rule set. I think it's great. And by the way, it affected the the judging system and the open rules about kneeing the head of a downed opponent, which affected this fight the first time, right? That actually, I think, is the very best thing that they do. And so you get to see a wider array of what MMA and combative sports looks like in a way that you wouldn't necessarily get um, with this kind of thing. Marais, you know, it's hard to say exactly how good he is because we just haven't seen him tested against a lot of known quantities. A DJ obviously being the most known of them all, and, and that was a great win for him. But uh, I yeah, mean, like, he was good enough to crush one of the greatest of all time with a vicious, exactly. violent knee there, you know? Exactly. Like, so that's my point. It's like... However little we know about him, relatively speaking, we know enough to know he is an absolute handful. Super athletic, um, good presence of mind, good shot selection. He he won that last fight cleanly. Well, he'll do it again, we'll see. But he won the first one cleanly. Uh, he's a three-time one flyweight champion, made his promotional debut in 2013, losing by split decision. Three fights later, Luke. In September of 2014, he won his first uh, one title, the vacant flyweight title at the time. He has lost twice since first becoming one champion, but he's avenged both of those defeats with victories over the same fighter, both times by decision. So uh, he's gritty, he's tough, and he's big, Luke, with the rehydration that one allows you. Uh, Demetrius Johnson, who we'll hear from in a second, has regularly told us Look, it, this is basically me fighting at Bantamweight. That's why when you ask DJ, do you still watch UFC? Are you still comparing yourselves you know, with the flyweights of today? He goes, no, I'm looking at the Bantamweights under UFC. So, Luke, this is essentially DJ in his 
Twilight looking to add on to his already legendary run, which, I mean, look, look, look let, me, let me ask you this question, okay? I had a really fun appearance yesterday on uh, MMA Fighting's uh, Between the Lines, BTL there with Mike Heck, Jed Meshu. Um, Mike Heck, it may have been an outrageous claim, he believes Demetrius Johnson's UFC record for title defenses will end up being, and using the Usman loss to Edwards as fuel, will end up being the Joe DiMaggio 56-game hitting streak of, of UFC records. Do you have any agreeance in that? Hmm. Um, that's an interesting one. I, I, um, I, there was a while there where I thought a lot of the records from the St. Pierre Silva era of MMA would stand the test of time, and then a bunch of them fell. And then I thought for sure Usman was going to win over the weekend, and of course he did not. And so I've, it's a different record that you're talking about. That would be the 16 consecutive fights total, not the title fights. But um, I tend to think that some of the Joe DiMaggio is sats a lot. I don't know if we're going that far, but I will say that I don't think it's going to be broken anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't it, think it's you, going to be broken. It's going to be a while before someone really puts together a run like that. To be fair, John Jones would have the record if he hadn't been stripped three times of of uh, various titles for various things. But uh, so my point of saying that is, <laughs> DJ beat the game at flyweight, became the face of that division's history, became one of the greatest of all time. But with Adriano Marais, you know, being able to rehydrate here to 135, this is basically second half of career. DJ moving up in weight, which is, look, something he said he was never interested in. If you remember before the loss to Cejudo in the rematch, there was talk during that time amid Dominic Cruz's comeback and upset win over Dillashaw there of DJ moving back up to avenge that loss. He said that was never part of his want or care or thought process. Well, now he is operating at that division um, how does that factor into this in your eyes? Do we do we give him more credit? You know, if he if he r runs this back, wins it back, is it essentially a title in a second weight class? How do you deal with that sort of gray area? Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I consider this. I mean, you can call the weight class whatever you want, but where what weight is he fighting? To me, it's a, it, to me it's a difference. Um, he just turned thirty six years of age to lose a title and then reclaim it at thirty six years of age. To me, would be remarkable as shit. Which of course. He's been doing remarkable things for quite some time, but even this, you know, you don't see a lot of 36-year-old fighters win world titles. I mean, it does happen. It's not unheard of, but um, it's fairly rare-ish. And to do it when you're fighting at 135, Richard Mann from Fightmetric uh, looked at the numbers, and Demetrius Johnson's a different fighter at 135 than he is at 125, at least in terms of what you look at with his you know, his uh, his run in Zufa, which of course included WEC at the time. Um, you know, he's a lot less active, again, historically speaking. He's just a slightly different guy at that weight class for whatever reason he may feel the need to be. And so, you know, you add in the fact that he's still fighting high, high-level guys. He is 36 years of age. He was defeated by this guy previously. He is not fighting in the normal weight class. I mean, dude, that's very... If he wins this one... Demetrius Johnson is going to be one a very interesting case. I will be when he, uh, he uh, like every fighter, like every person, his career will eventually come to a close. I don't know when that will be, but it will happen. It is a certainty. It will be very interesting to see what kind of legacy he leaves behind. And this is always true for all fighters, but I think it's going to be especially true for him, which is that you know how much of how his legacy is viewed is just a function of guys who either live through it or be like just how much 
understanding there is of the challenges he faced. He he talks. He's a very good interview, actually. He's obviously a very bright guy, but I don't know that he ever kind of tries. Like some fighters, when you talk to BC, especially some of these ones that are chasing glory, like Triple C. Triple C is a very easy thing to understand. Oh, Olympic title. It's two belts in the UFC. Like you can wrap your head around that. What is what is Demetrius Johnson's you know equivalent sales pitch of his greatness? He doesn't have something so neatly tied together, and yet. If you're just examining what he's doing, especially now, up a weight class, basically, um, there isn't a case to be made that it's not the same as winning an Olympic title and two UFC titles, but that it's probably not going to get the, the amount of credit that it deserves for its difficulty giving sort of all of the, uh, of the, the headwinds yeah. that he's taking on into this case. And so I will be really curious to see how we remember this guy because I want to be clear about this. If he goes in there and beats Moraes, that is a... Very, very impressive achievement. Um, oh, no to, question, to especially make. after getting knocked out. You know, almost knocked 100%. out cold, basically. Uh, so since that fight, of course, Demetrius Johnson had the mixed rules fight with Rod Tang. Uh, all of these great conversations can be heard in our Room Service Diaries. Chuck Mindenhall sliding in for Luke. You can check it out at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. Luke, we're going to throw to some of that sound now to set up sort of how we're looking at this rematch. Long Island Luke on the ones and twos. I want to go with the Marais fight clip first. Uh, Luke, you mentioned Demetrius, actually a good interview, kind of underrated. Before yeah. we talk about this, Luke, off camera and on, DJ gave you your flowers, a term now that MK fans say, please BC, stop using. We hate that term. Um, but he did mention on and off camera that he said the history of him being interviewed by you has been very much a, a debate, very much a back and forth argument. I sort of said, well, what were the topics? I don't even remember, but he sort of noted that you guys have gone to bat against each other through the years. Maybe you should have been there instead of the man with the hat. We could have a little fireworks here. Well, here's my thing to fighters, right? This is a, my number one rule, right? What's my number one rule in covering them? Um, you should be humane, but not deferential, right? In all ways. And... Interviews sometimes should be debates. Like, not everything, like, not any, who says things that are biblical, right? They're just written in stone, always true. Nobody, nobody. And Demetrius is smart. So, like, why can't we have a little back and forth with it? He seems like a fun guy to do that with. And um, I don't know exactly which ones he's referencing exactly, but in general, I've enjoyed my time conversing with him and. I think that more interviews should be, you know, not like, hey, I'm going to stick it to you. Have a seat, Chris Hansen type shit. But, um, you know, yeah, you but... traveled across three state lines to have pizza with a 12 year old girl. Really? Yeah. Uh, sir, um... I'm not saying that, but they should be a little bit more of just a, oh, he says something and it just I'm not even going to challenge it. We'll just move on to the next one. Not challenge some stuff. Did you see what, the opening of this Room Service Diaries where he pulled a Joe Rogan on me, basically, and was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, who's that other guy again? DJ, I just interviewed you like three months ago, bro, okay, whatever. Like, dude, you, right? you just talked to him. It was it's on hilarious. brand. Uh, let's go to Mighty Mouse on the couch looking back uh. at that loss April of 2021 to Adriano Marais. Man, I tell you what, after that fight, I had to come home and explain to so many damn people what, what the hell happened. <laughs> they were like, that was illegal, wasn't they're, it? They're like, why is that man disqualified? Yeah. I'm like, guys, and, you know, I'm a chill pillar. I'm like, guys, guys, like over there, you get me in the fucking face on the ground. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he's a big ass flyweight too with the yeah, with the weight rules and the rehydration. See, see, the funny thing is that I weigh bigger than all the guys I fought. It, it, this is the thing people misconstrued, right? I don't know how big they are like eight weeks out from the fight. Yeah. Weeks out, right? Like, I saw an email to myself 
um, back in 2012, me weighing 141 pounds. This is back in 2012. I was still fighting at 125. I just, I think I just came off the loss against Dominic Cruz. So I remember when I was fighting Dom, I came home weighing 138 pounds during training yeah. camp. So I'm a, the exact same size size as I was back in 2012. Wow. I Damn. just carry, I just carry it differently, yeah. right? So you carry it now in the abs and in the. You know. My abs are fucking. <laughs> look at those abs. Yeah, are yeah, so right, we're not used to that. <laughs> so now when I go out and I compete, you know they weigh you after the fight and you know from what i've heard is that i've been bigger than all my opponents after the fight yeah. so uh but he is taller i mean he's 5'10 5'11 so there is a range uh advantage he has and even in my previous my fights i've always had a hard time with taller guys you look at Dominic cruz yeah. you look at tim elliott uh, you look at miguel torres uh he isn't the first tall guy i've, I've right. fought True. but yeah. Um, but yeah, when I came back home, I don't know how many times I had to explain to everybody, like, dude, it's legal there. <laughs> I got blasted in the face. I'm good. So uh, look, if I had abs like that, I'd be showing them on somebody's stupid talk show. Believe me. Believe me, I would. All right. Yeah. If I if I was an athlete like that, I I, I mean, would you wear clothes? You know, just. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I'd be like the naked cowboy in New York City Times Square. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so so you know, he uh, Marais is listed at five foot eight. He does look a lot taller than that. DJ saying five ten right there. It is essentially up a weight class, but like always, DJ has taken that loss in stride. No ego, humble. I mean, look, Luke, I've I've had some really good interviews. You're right. Really, since he signed with one, maybe some of that load was taken off his shoulders. Of like, you know, he's had some public battles with Dana White and company about you know how they promoted him. Remember, he was taken off pay-per-view a while ago and putting on title fight main events on fight night cards. But it is seemingly a different DJ now. He know He's happy, he's secure. He doesn't let crap get him down. In fact, Luke, I've always said, and I told him, you know, when you lost to Cejudo in that rematch before the trade, God, we're talking about does Usman deserve the immediate trilogy rematch? If anyone deserved it, it was DJ. But Luke, he never complained once about the scoring, about the two major injuries he's had. That's what he's about. But speaking of Henry Cejudo, dude, they have hooked up ahead of the, for the training camp ahead of this Shaman, or I'm sorry, not Shaman, Adriano Moraes rematch. And uh, that's kind of surprising to me, given their two-fight history. Let's hear DJ, who does an incredible impersonation you're about to hear of one triple cringe, Henry Cejudo. Dude, you've been everything. training with Henry Cejudo, though. I yeah, mean, what's that's... up with this? Henry, my man. Henry, <laughs> you and the king of cringe get hooked up as buddies now. <laughs> so, once again, no ego. Right, I reached out to Will Harris and I said, "Yo, man, I was like, I got a house here in Arizona. I was like, you mind if I get Henry Cejudo's number?" He goes, "Yeah." Called Henry. He goes, "Yo, Demetrius, man." He goes, "I was kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> skeptical. You called me, bro." That's actually I, didn't, actually, oh, I that's can perfect. actually hear him. Yeah, I can he hear goes, it. I, I didn't think you called me, man. You must be thinking about a trilogy. No, <laughs> no, no. He goes, "What's up, Demetrius? You got you got a place out?" You know, I said, like, "Yeah." And I was like, "You know, I just want to know if you want to you, you cool with me just coming to mix it up and vibing out and just get training." He goes, Abs absolutely, man. I, I will up. I got some things I want to go over with you. So, which come to the house? Like, well, be I, I love beyond him. having the history with him, have you been watching where fighters are starting to pick him out? And you know, whether it was Zhang Wei Li, whether it was uh, Figueredo, um, they're starting to seek him out and adding. That's true. His, you know, but also with the captain Eric Albarracin. Let's put respect on his name. Too. I ain't worried about captain. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's flashy. It's hard to look at. Flamboyant him. fellow, right there. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, I see that, but for me, whether those guys would have seeked him out. Um, I, I mean, I've always respected Hermosudo, even as we fought each other both yeah. times. 
Um, and he's done something in his sport of mixed martial arts I've never done. And also wrestling. I mean, two-divisional champion. He defended both belts. Yeah. I mean, he, he's achieved a lot in mixed martial arts. So it, it was a no-brainer for me. Like, hey, dude, like, let's let's work out together, right? Because even when we trained together, like, we did a w one full week, and then he went on vacation. But we trained a lot. And he goes, I understand why you were successful. Yeah. And now I understand why he's successful. So... It, it was See, a good... I, I imagine that Rocky and Apollo thing. He, well, I got to tell you, that was great to, to see. Yeah, yeah. Chuck went on to paint a nice Rocky Apollo half shirt on the beach picture of the two of them. But look, fighters that have gone to, to Cejudo for advice, which have been a, a growing number of big names lately, they come out more effective in their wrestling attacks and using the ground game to better set up their offense they're, they come out better strategically, too. I'm, look, they worked out together for a week. I don't know how deep they went on game planning for this rematch. But it does sort of set up the question of how does DJ win the rematch, knowing he can fight any style. I mean, he's, he's among, he might be the most well-rounded mixed martial artist I've ever seen, which is why he's included in these upper, upper room conversations. Will we see the Cejudo effect on DJ in this rematch? I don't think there's enough there for that to really play a role. And also, you got to remember, DJ's longtime coach, Matt Hume, is one of the better minds in all of MMA. Um, I, I am curious to see how they solve the problem because in the first fight, he had a hard time closing the distance and really kind of and, 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 uh, and locking up Marais. And so I, I wonder, like, what will they do this time? Will they try and get him to come to them or, or what will be the, the role? But it's not so much about the Cejudo effect and more it is. I just want to say, like, I remember when DJ was champion and, like, all of the fucking conversation about him. And I'm guilty of committing to, you know, participating in this as well. Sorry, dude. I'm just got, I've got, you know, I got, uh, my eyes are watering like crazy. But the reality is this. When he was champion, every conversation about Demetrius Johnson was about, like, why doesn't he sell more and why aren't there more higher ratings and blah, blah, blah. And. He's not a draw this, and he's not a draw that, and um, it all missed the point. It all missed the point of yeah. Listen, you know, is he as popular as Conor McGregor? No, not not really. Like, and not everyone's going to be, and that's not really a part of his story. But if you want to take time to appreciate a guy who is historically good, historically good, I think in ways that will translate across eras, take it for what he's got. Take it for what he's got. Take take him for what he offers the sport at this moment in time. And while his profile probably is not as high level in one as it is in UFC in terms of the general public's awareness about what he's up to, um, I am so glad that most of these conversations around him have gone away. Yeah. We don't have to have these conversations anymore about like, why isn't he, you know, the kind of this, that, and the other draw? And it's like, how about we just talk about a guy who's fucking awesome, who's in awesome fights, who's really good at it, and let's see what he can do. And and the, the, the shift in that conversation, it looks to me, BC, and I'm just speculating here, it looks to me like if it's a weight off on my shoulders in the media, I can only imagine how much better he feels about it. And uh, good for him. He's It's long overdue. Indeed. And I, I couldn't reference enough, not only this chat, the other ones I've had re recently with him, but just like how much he's able to be this competitive and great, but literally separate that lingering like effect that competition has on you where you hold the power of wins and losses higher than their actually me actual meaning as he will always say like i just want to go home and be a dad or you know and play video games and, and stream and all that like 
He, uh, dude, he's. I think he's mentally kind of beaten the game, and that's you know this was a power move to go to one got financially, but you know he's not worried about the things that we worry about for the fighters that we assume they should be worried about. So, uh, Luke, I hope you're able to survive this show. I, I fear for you. I don't know. Is that pink no, no. Guy here's the thing. Out? I mean, here's the thing. I ordinarily, if I hadn't been off for two weeks, I for sure would have called out today because oh wow, not that I well, not that I can't do the show. I can do it. But if you're watching my stupid face it's dab dying. Kleenexes into my eyes yeah. or, you know, blow my nose, it has to be terrible for the viewer. This is a terrible show. I mean, we should just it's all just be worse. It's actually that. the worst. It's in a way, you know, as I always tell my kids when they try to get me to do something on show days, I'm like, sorry, guys, got an award-winning show to go co-host, you yeah. know, can't do it. You know, they're, yeah. they're I mean, listen, this is a terrible show, but I terrible. can't, I can't call out. I can't, I have to just, I got to just mule through it and uh, it's got to be what it's got to be. Uh, Luke, let's go to, let's go to bat here. Um, both are good in rematches. Uh, both are really ass good. Mikey saying this is the Jordan flu game equivalent. I like to think this is knee injury and Ganu contract up in the air. I'm going to come <laughs> out and wrestle Gan. That's who this is today. Um, it's a hero, nonetheless. Uh, who wins this and why? Look, DJ doesn't need this, Luke, for his resume. But you have to believe he very much wants it. You have to believe... If anybody can find a way to counteract the the length, the power, the size difference, the fact that Marais, yeah, I mean, he's better than a lot of us realized. It is Demetrius Johnson. This is what he does. He's 36, yes. He said he hasn't felt a drop-off in speed. It's been more, you know, harder to recover. And, you know, I played my son up to 21 in the driveway two days ago, Luke, and I'm still barely walking, so I can understand that. Um, I feel like he gets this done. I feel like in his arc, in his story, this would make sense to add this. You know, it's a perfect DJ move. Achieve something that is crazy impressive, but that probably people aren't going to really go nuts about and rave about. And he doesn't care. He's a, he's a sportsman. He's a competitor at the end of the day. And he has a million ways to win a fight. But even more than that, he's great at decoding what you do well and taking it away from you. The only question is how, Luke? How does he win this rematch? I'm not really sure. I'm also a casual, apparently, and not un uneducated in the MMA craft. And certainly you are the opposite of that. How does DJ, or how will he win this, if my hunches are correct? I'm, candidly, I'm not so sure. This is a tough one. If you watch the first fight, Marais was able to use lateral movement, maintain distance, shut down a lot of clinch attempts. He got a basically a reversal from underneath to get on top. Uh, he dropped him with an uppercut, uh, and then the knee, obviously, is the famous one, but he, he dropped him with an uppercut just before that, you know? So, like, he's a bigger dude. This is a, you know, DJ's record of success at 125 is better than it is at 135 for a very good reason. Like, it's he's much more suited for that, even if I can acknowledge at 135 he can still do good things. I really believe that he's got to get uh, Marish to come to him. If you see him trying to chase down Marish. Not that you can't do that in spurts or in moments, but in general, if, if Marais is able to play keep away, it just forces DJ into these like desperate ways to negotiate the distance, or it puts him in these uncomfortable spots where um, you know he gets trapped in a slightly a, a narrow window of a firefight, and that's why he just can't really win that. Plus, the power punching with Marais is still going to be significantly higher than it is with DJ. So DJ's going to have to find a way to get him to come to him. 
Easier said than done. I think Marais might repeat here. I would love to be wrong. I really would. Um, and and if anybody can do it, it's Demetrius Johnson. But it's a tough one. This is a tough matchup for him. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Rod Tang was supposed to be on this undercard in a Muay Thai match, but he <laughs> had to withdraw for failing to provide a sample for the organization's mandatory hydration test. He was not allowed to weigh in, and he was uh, replaced, Luke. So that's off the card. Look, uh, part of this fight is trying to make that that U.S. first impression, which, like you mentioned, they tried on TNT last year. It was it was some good and bad. There's a lot of bad, you know. And just it, this is a, a best uh, a way to get another good chance at a first impression ahead of what Luke I think inevitably will be their power move. They will make it or break it in terms of really cracking the American mixed martial arts market by what they do with that U.S. debut, who they can put on the card, how big they can make that feel in comparison to what we already feel from UFC, Bellator, PFL, and all that. But this card outside of Mighty Mouse, Marias 2, educate me. Am I missing anything? I'm not seeing a, I'm not seeing a lot. I mean, did I need to be the dumbed-down American fan who watches Eddie Alvarez get into a brawl to feel like I'm? Uh, there's more to tune in here for, Luke? Yeah, you're what missing you know? a little bit. You're missing a little bit. The Rod Tang loss is big. He is, you know... Uh, aside from being very good at what he does, he's just fun as shit. So there's that. Um, but the couple things you're missing. Number one, um, Bouchesha is on this card. Marcus Almeida, heavyweight, athletic like a fucking Puma, 3-0 and out of the checkmat team. Um, and he can do anything in jiu-jitsu. He, ha- he beat Hydra Gracie at Metamorris, or excuse me, it was a draw. And then in the rematch, he got, he got, he got worked by Hydra Gracie. But in general... He has multiple, multiple world titles in both his weight class, uh, which was the biggest one, and then obviously in open as well. Um, but he, he, um, a guy who is just insanely talented on the mat, and I want to be very clear about this, in addition to being big, very, very, very athletic. So he's on this card, taking on Kirill Grish- Grishenko. Um, I suspect he's going to run over this guy. We'll see. Uh, also on the card, Amir Ali Akbari. Amir Ali, um, Amir Ali Akbari is has an interesting guy as well. Um, he uh, wrestled for I think Iran um, nationally and has had some you know anti doping failures. Uh, to be quite clear about it, fought in Ryzen for a while. <laughs> Who has um, it, Luke? <laughs> yeah, I know. Really? Well, what are you going to say? But he has wins over Valentin Moldovsky and from Ryzen. He has wins over um, a fair amount of guys. Uh, uh, as well, and he hasn't won in one yet. In fact, he's had two fights in one, and they haven't gone his way. Uh, but he is very athletic. Obviously, he is very, very uh, talented in general. Be curious to see if he can right the ship in this contest. Uh, and then also, again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm some Muay Thai expert, but Liam Badco. Remember, I got some guy tried to dead wrong me, and this was his fucking nickname. Liam Harrison Badco is going to be taking on, and I'm going to fuck this guy's uh, name up, but I've seen the highlights on him. He's obviously quite good. Nong-O Gaiyang Gadao. I'm saying that wrong, I'm sure. Um, you this you were just the, making sounds. I they, they sounds good to me, but it just, you know, it was like... Yeah, well, here, here you have, this is the one bantamweight uh, Muay Thai championship. So it's their one, it, for them, it's their 135, obviously. Um, so you're going to have two bantamweight title fights, right? Bantamweight. You're going to have Marais versus Johnson. That's their MMA title. And then you're going to have their Muay Thai title uh, here between Nong O and then Liam Badko Harrison. And Liam Badko is a fucking savage, dude. A complete yeah. savage. He's, he can be hit, so he's not as... Um, I've seen him fight many times. He's not as... Um, 
He's an offensive dynamo, and he had an amazing comeback recently as well. But he's fun because he's got a little bit of like, I want to be clear about this. He's extremely offensively dynamic. But he's got a little bit of that Mickey Ward in him where he kind of gets hit and then, you know, kind of like finds a way through kind of scenario. I uh, so, love it. Uh, pure action on that end. Losing losing Rod Tang is bad, but you're going to get very, very fun fights um, that are still up and down this card. And again, in Marcus Almeida Bouchesha, uh, you you could maybe make an argument, BC, he might be the future UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah, you I mean, love that's, this that's a little man. Crazy, you, but I mean, is he gonna is he gonna come in at heavyweight and do the type of jujutsu type things we've never seen before? Is this is this like uh, even better, Nog? What is this, Luke? So here, even better, Nog. Here's the thing: it's like those guys like, like the Nogueras, they were good at jujitsu, but they weren't great at it. Fabricio Verdum was great at it. Um, but even Verdum wasn't athletic like this. This is a, a different level of athlete altogether. I mean, I cannot, you've never seen him compete. He moves like a goddamn panther or whatever, you know, big cat you want to use at this point. Now, he's only got three fights, and in those three fights, he just dusted people off pretty easily. It's hard to say exactly how it's going to look when he's in the third round and he's tired and he's been hit. You know, like, how does he answer that question? We have no clue. It's still so early. But what I would say is, like, a guy like Hodger Gracie, he wasn't a huge success in MMA, not because he wasn't good at pure jiu-jitsu, but because whatever he lacked in athleticism, he was able to make up for in, like, extraordinary jiu-jitsu acumen. I don't think Bouchesha has got the same level of jiu-jitsu acumen as Hodger Gracie, but he's got a little bit less. However, he's got way more athleticism and much better wrestling. And so when you take a guy like that, that actually, I think, is better suited for MMA, even if... And I mean, he must have, I think he's got something like 11 world titles, BC. Like something fucking insane he's got. So we're talking about a guy who is, I think he's got the most amount of world titles in the gi in jiu-jitsu history, as a matter of fact. So we're Damn. talking about a guy like that, plus he's athletic, plus he can wrestle. I mean, you know, we're not talking about a very ordinary guy here. He's a, he's a bit of a unicorn. I'll give you credit. Not only are you gutting this out, you gave us a legitimate one. <clears throat> Uh, 161 here, first on Prime preview and breakdown. I appreciate that, Luke. I mean, you may think this show sucks, and it, it does, but we didn't get to watch <laughs> Joan of Arc burn at the stake, you know, and see piece by piece as she's falling apart here. We get to watch that with you. I mean, this is like Jack yeah. Ruby walking by the cameras, right? I'm watching a man die in front of me, and I respect that, Luke. So he has. So let, let me just go through his jujitsu achievements here very quickly. This is from BJJ Heroes. He won ADCC in both 2013 and 2017. He won the World Championships in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. He won the World Championships in Nogi, which is separate from ADCC. This is all at the black belt level in 2010 and 2011. He won the Pan, the Pan Ams at 2012. And by the way, all those ones I mentioned for the IBJJF World Championships, so 2012, 13, 14, 16, 17, 18, and 19. All except for, I think, 18, and even then I think it's included. In all of those years, he won his division and the absolute, which meant any weight class, wide open. He won uh, first place at the uh, UAE JJF Abu Dhabi Pro in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and then so on and so on. You're talking about a guy who's got more medals than almost anyone else to ever do it. Yeah. And he can wrestle, and he's athletic, and he's in a weak, a weak division at heavyweight. Could be interesting. Could be more interesting. medals than Pat Tillman, Luke. To be fair, 
I mean, why don't you make more Pat Tillman jokes? Every time you do that, the show disappears for six months. Yeah, it does. It kind of does. I was supporting an American hero there. Uh, let's move on to topic number two, Luke, and that's, hey, let's match make the welterweight division in the UFC after the fallout of all things Leon Edwards, Kamara Usman, part two. Luke, Dana White spoke uh, after that fight with reporters, uh, MMA Junkie aggregated the quotes here, giving updates on the future of other big-name welterweights. Let's get through this, and then we can sort of map out the future. On Colby Covington, Dana said, Colby wants to fight. Colby wants to fight. He's ready to fight, and we're making plans for him here soon. He wants to fight, Luke, okay? On Jorge Masvidal, yeah, I like it, White said when asked about the idea of, of Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. He said, you like it? I do, then I like it. And then he laughed. Okay, thank you, Dana. Uh, Luke, let's break out the matchmaking machine here for 170 pounds in the sports, you know, MMA leader. Uh, first off, we, we teased this earlier in the week, but, like, I just want to ask you percentage-wise, 1 to 100, how confident are you that the Usman Edwards trilogy is next for this division and, more importantly, should be next? Yeah, I do. I do think it should be next. And I'm not one of these guys who's like a big automatic rematch guy, but Kamaru does deserve it for two reasons. One, his record of achievement is extra extraordinary. Right? We, we've been over it a million times of what he has done in this division, and I think that when you dethrone a guy like that, um, if they want the rematch in general, they should get it. And then when you add in the fact that he was winning that fight up until the very literally last minute, um, I think it calls for it. So I do think, and I, we've been over this a little bit on Wednesday, that they should put this fight in the UK, and I think that they will. But um, I, I'm a fan of an automatic rematch in this particular case. Uh, I couldn't agree more. It could be because of the decorated pass. It's why I still go to bat for DJ, even if he doesn't give a shit about he should have got the trilogy with Cejudo right then and there. Instead, he got traded, whatever. Who cares? Uh, the whole point is this is the fight that's just right. It's the right one to make. It is. When you Okay, fluke or not a fluke, which people are sick of hearing about, it's unexpected. One guy was winning by a lot until he wasn't. I think in those situations when you're that decorated, and who who was more decorated than Usman coming into this fight? Very few in the history of this damn sport, to be very fair, in his sixth uh, attempt at defending that title. All right, so as we look at this top 10 and beyond, the fights that are already on the books is, of course, September 10th, Hamzat Chemaev, who's ranked number three in the division, against Nate Diaz, and the one we've talked about, Bilal Muhammad at number five against number eight, Sean Brady. Uh, Luke, there was some teasing that Wonderboy Thompson versus number 11, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov was in the works. Wonderboy ranked number seven. But I don't know if you've seen the news in the past 24 hours. Wonderboy said, nope, I turned that fight down. It makes no sense for me to fight another striker uh, so quickly. Or I'm sorry, to, to fight another wrestler like this. Uh, I want to fight a striker. I'm not mad at Wonderboy, by the way, for that, Luke. You? I would have loved to have seen it just because I would have loved to have seen Rachmanov feast, but I I very much understand Wonderboy's position, yes. I do, and he's, a, he's at a point in his career, Luke, I, <clears throat> look, he's out of the title picture, right? He's going to just try to make fun fights the rest of the way, get momentum if he can. Hey, who knows? Um, we mentioned Usman should be next. I think if it wasn't, it would be Chemayev off of the Diaz fight. Nobody can justify Masvidal in this case. You really couldn't. I mean, it'd be, it'd be an absurdity. But, Luke, before we matchmake the division, would you be upset if Colby Covington, who is coming off a, a victory over Jorge Masvidal in a pay-per-view main event, if he got the next shot, would that upset you at all? 
The next title shot? Yes. Instead of Usman and we let Chamayev fight Nate and then see what happens next. Would that yeah, I just want to know if that That would be absurd to me. Yes. Okay, you're disgusted at that idea. You like cuz cuz like that to me is Jorge. You give me Jorge, I would be disgusted at Jorge getting the title shot right here, Luke. Yeah, he's Here's, advocating for one. I don't I don't think it's going to work. Um it, Colby's got a better claim to it than Jorge does. I'll say that, but Yes. Either one of them I don't think would be the right choice. No, and they're mm. yeah, and they're not going to wait on uh, Chimaev here. They can get another fight out of this. Uh, so here's the deal, Luke. Let's match make Usman ranked number one, as is the case with UFC when a champ defending champion loses. Covington two. You got Gilbert Burns at four, which is an important name right now, despite coming off that loss to Chimaev where he fought his soul out. Uh, Neil at six, Masvidal nine, Luke ten, Kiesa twelve, Magni at thirteen. With number seven, Thompson now available on your board, and number 11, Shavkat Rachmanov. Outside of the title fight, Luke, what's the next best fight to make here? Um, I'm sorry, I don't understand. For who? Well, what do you do with that two two through six area? That's my real question to oh, you. Oh, I see. I see. Um, okay, let's, sort of, let's figure this out. All right, two to six. So we're assuming Edwards and Usman are going to run it back. Yes. Right? So then you've got Colby and Chimaev, but Chimaev's got Nate, so he's kind of on ice for the moment. You got Gilbert going to run it back, or not run it back, but run it with Jorge, so he's out. Well, then no, that's not Mo official, Luke. That's not official here. So you could. It's not official, but like, I'm told it's everything, but they've signed the papers. Like, there's more Ooh, or less. Uh, okay. I, I was unaware it was that far because I don't want to limit the idea that Gilbert versus Colby isn't the perfect kind of potential. Oh, is that what you're angling for? I, I actually like that a little bit more than uh, Gilbert versus Jorge, but I think Gilbert versus Jorge is a little bit more winnable for Gilbert if you're in that scenario, right? Well, actually, let me ask you, who would you favor? Who would you favor between Gilbert and Colby? Still Colby. Still Colby, but slightly. Ooh. Slightly. Ooh. Slightly. See, that's interesting. Plus, Colby's got this whole, you know, thing with Jorge where he claimed, you know, didn't he claim like a traumatic brain injury from it? Like... Yeah, there's a lot of weird shit going on there, but I think Colby's still got enough company leverage and, and fuel and money in the bank with the company where, they're, no, they're not going to give him the title shot next, although I did float that possibility to you. But I think that they'll be willing to work with him here, Luke. I mean, Jorge, or they, they did the Jorge fight, so it was what it was. Um, are, are you do you are you offended by that idea that I believe that I believe Colby would would edge Gilbert here? Are you offended by that? Offended? No, no. I just don't think it's very. I, I think that's a winnable fight for Gilbert for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm just telling you where my heart. Is, you know, my yeah. heart will go what, on. What about the way. idea? Do you think Colby accepts a fight with Jeff Neal? What do you think? No, hell no, no. Doesn't take it. Nope, dude. Colby is at a point. And look, what's the criticism against Colby right now? That although he fought for the title twice and fought really well both times, and then you know got that pay per view close up, he hasn't beaten top ranked guys in a while, Luke. Um. I think he's going to try to just leave himself in celebrity mode right now. I mean, he has proven he can main event multiple pay-per-views. Uh, you have to believe he carries himself at a higher regard than anyone else would. I, you know, he's got to look at this as I've got to get as much cash on the way out as I can. Now, eventually, inevitably, you will have to fight a, a, a hammer contender to, to keep your spot. But that's more when you're coming off a loss. He is coming off a win. I think he's in a very advantageous spot here, Luke. Um... But if Burns fights Masvidal, which Dana just said, yeah, I like it, then what's the fight for Colby? What is it, Luke? 
Wonder Boy? I don't think Neil. I don't think Neil, bro. Wonder Boy? As Does what, a fight that? night main event? Stay busy? I mean, it's it's a name. Yeah, it doesn't suck. It, it would it would it would match make okay. It would be received well as a main event, right? I mean, it'd be be like biggest troll versus biggest nice guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know that might be the gift that Wonder Boy's trying to get here, and he would deserve it too. These guys deserve this shit, Luke. Okay. Um, what are you doing with Shavkat then? If Wonder Boy says no, what are you doing? Does the UFC even try Colby? You could do Shavkat Neil or Shavkat Luke. Okay. Which one of those do you like the most? Neil. Shavkat Neil would be a good fight right now because Neil has has <coughs> Neil Neil has earned a big fight and this is, you know, arguably the hardest of those big fights short of the title picture, but it also would be a high reward. Dude, that'd be How, how does Jeff Neil crash this overall party? How about beating that guy who looks yeah. untouchable, right? Yeah, you want some hype, you know, beating beating Luke in his last fight the way he did was pretty fucking incredible. You do that to Shavkat Rachmanov and, you know, buddy, you are, you're going to, I mean, talk about a rebound in his career. That would be huge for him, huge. But also enormous risk because Rachmanov is a cyborg from the year 2050 sent back in time to fuck everyone up. So there's that as well. Uh, to close on this topic, Luke. And, well, to add another closure on there, uh, Sean Brady versus Blah Muhammad might end with me getting a tattoo. It might. Tacos and tattoos, Luke, in Philly. It might. It might end with that. Uh, I really hope that it does for me as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, look, this could just be Mike Heck entertaining me and filling time on his show, Luke. Shout out to New Hampshire's Mike Heck. But as you die there, Luke, he created the scenario <laughs> in which the night of Nate versus Hamzat, hey, let's say Hamzat catches COVID. And then Tony gets bumped up for the Nate Tony pay-per-view main event. And then Diaz wins and they're both bloody and it's an absolute war. And Nate Diaz exits not only the UFC a hero, but he goes into a Jake Paul fight with the kind of momentum that matching him against Hamzat would never, ever create. Right. I know that's like a romantic dream scenario I, there. Do you well, I got to tell you, well, how romantic is it when you're like, yeah, one of these guys is going to catch a communicable disease. <laughs> well, like, I don't think Mike offered COVID. I just like, I mean, that made it, uh, that made it more risky. Right. You know, I was going to be like, that's an oddly specific thing for him to have. Like, yo, you know, okay, here's what's going to happen. This motherfucker's going to catch COVID. And then yeah. the gates of heaven are going to open up. Yes, under the circumstance that he's somehow out, you could do that. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, I would like that better. I, mean, I would Tony's like Tony on that at one seventy. Yeah, Tony yeah. and the Leech are on that card. They could break that shit up in a second. All right, Luke, let's go to topic three, and that is UFC fight announcements. Uh, it goes without saying, guys, since we just spent an hour on one, that this is a light, very light combat weekend. After arguably. <laughs> the busiest of all time on Saturday uh, of last week. Let's go to number three of fight announcements. Luke, good Lord. We didn't talk about this when we were ranking our top five strikers on Wednesday's show. Uh, this is related to that. I can't believe I missed this. UFC 279 is going to offer us Kevin Holland versus D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez. I know. I saw that. I was like, dude, that's the BC special right there. Give that shit to me. And it's an important fight, right? Like, in terms of who's going in which direction coming out of this. Someone's going to get a boost from this fight. Look, this is going to be a war, baby. I love that contest. I think it's I think it's winnable for, for Daniel Rodriguez. A win over Kevin Holland would do dramatic things for his career. It's going to be all action. Um, 
Wow, that one is impossible to dislike. Impossible. And 279, Luke, 279 is not loaded. Not loaded at all, right? Like no, that's, but there's a couple of gems on there. A couple of gems. Uh, this adds to that, so I'm happy to see that. Luke, are we overlooking Kevin Holland's potential here at welterweight now that he can make this weight given the wrestling, given his – he takes big chances? I just wonder if we're overlooking stuff. You mean like as a title contender? I mean, beating Daniel Rodriguez wouldn't necessarily tell us that. But I, I think in general, after what we saw at 185 from him, it only makes sense. And then the guy fought Tiago Santos. You know, yeah. like, this is not the right... And I realize that was not the right weight class for Santos either, but I'm just sort of pointing out, like, he... 170, whatever else happens from here, this is the right place for him. I think you're going to get, you know, this year or next or whenever it happens, whatever the very best that Kevin Holland has to offer, it's going to be at 170. I really believe that. I think at 170... Right. I, I, had, I had reservations about what would he be able to jump in and make this big of an instant impact. And so far, looking looking pretty damn good. So I'm readjusting the calibration. Look, the other fight announcement I wanted to get your reaction to, December 3rd is the targeted date. I believe that's a UFC Orlando fight night would be the rumor. Mark Jacasey versus Michael Johnson. You get down with this? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um... Interesting, because Casey was sort of a striker when he first came to UFC and has really turned into a wrestler of late. And Johnson is well-rounded, um, but obviously loves to mix it up on the feet. I wonder what might happen in that one. Could he lure Casey back into a striking contest, or is he going to have to spend most of his time? He's going to have to. He's going to have to, Luke. Um, because Casey yeah, think- has turned a corner. He's turned a corner, Luke. And also, Michael Johnson's takedown defense is not the best part of his game. I think that's yes. a pretty fair way to put it. That's a fact. That 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 one could be, that one could be boring. I'll be honest about it. So it could but be a tough a, fight for MJ. You know. But it's. They I'll say. To... I'll say this. I'll say it this way. For each of those guys right now, very relevant challenge. I think that's the way I would okay. look at it. Uh, speaking of MJ, what do you? categorically identify as the peak of coolness for Michael Jackson in your personal life before the child allegations, before the videos watching him spend a million dollars on weird antiques with Martin Bashir, before the death, Luke, and a lot of the bad shit that went down. I mean, what do you think in your period watching the King of Pop was his mountaintop of coolness? Man. What was that video? See, in the 80s, he was popular in ways you could just never describe. Today, it wouldn't even make sense. Um, to like anyone that doesn't know, Luke, they erected statues of him while he was in his prime in various yes. parts of Asia where people would bow in front of the statue and wail in tears as yes. if they were in Jerusalem, Luke, on like the, the crying wall. I mean, it's, it's, it's some of the most bizarre reaction to a human being we've ever seen in modern times. We live in a world of micro celebrities where, you know, I, 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 someone likes, I like this Twitch streamer or I listen to this podcast and they have a decent audience or whatever, but there's very few people that transcend culture in that way. I was, I was reading about this the other day. 
Dude, did you realize that the finale of Seinfeld had over 70 million live viewers? Damn. 70 million? <laughs> Damn. Like, what, is it, what is an NFL game, a big NFL game, like Brady versus the Patriots, right? That's going to get you like probably 7 million nowadays, right? No, it's gonna, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. That gets you, that'll get you 30, 40. I mean, that'll you get think you so? a lot. Yeah, right. oh, yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to put it in perspective. Okay. Oh, yeah, that'll get you a lot. Like, like for example, Brady versus Mahomes or something. That'll get you 30, 40 mil. But, like, that's it. And we're talking uh, that that was the end of a nine-season fucking uh, sitcom. You know, yeah, but it was different pre-streaming. Be, let's be honest. It was different pre-streaming. I mean, when, when you know, when they screwed Hulk Hogan of the WWF title against Andre the Giant in that <laughs> WWE main event on a Friday night in 1987 in Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Luke, it did 33 million live viewers with the twin referee double switch thing. There's only one NBA Finals game in the history of the NBA that's done more than that. It was Game 7, uh, Steph Curry versus LeBron. So um, uh, it was a different time back then. I mean, 33 million people watched a wrestling match, Luke. I'll tell you this much. I knew that Michael Jackson was popular, for the, like, not for the first time, but like you in a, in a world where there was just monoculture. You had the radio stations in your town, and everyone watched the same things on TV. Do you remember there was a time where, like, when, especially when he was doing like the Pepsi commercials, yeah, where like everywhere you looked, you would see a Michael Jackson impersonator. They were doing Michael Jackson jokes on the Tonight Show. There were a Michael Jackson. Everyone had the glove and shit like that. Like everywhere, I remember there was a point where it's like you couldn't. There was nowhere you could go to get away from him. Dude, Corey Feldman tried to turn into him. Corey Feldman, who was already famous, was cosplaying Michael Jackson on a full time basis. Luke. The worship was out of control for this man. Yeah, he was popular in ways that no one alive today is. Like, like people are like, "Oh, Joe Rogan's popular," and which he is. He's obviously very yeah. popular. Joe Rogan is, in terms of like the peak of Michael Jackson, is a pimple on the ass. Like it's not even close. Yeah, yeah. Like Bo Jackson in, in in the late '80s, which was something that was a phenomenon. Mike Tyson in 1988, right? Yeah, they dude, still that's another one popular. too. Like Mike, I, like Mike Tyson was like, dude, Mike Tyson was the boogeyman. You know, yeah. of the 1980s and parts of the 90s. That's who he was. I mean, especially when he had the public marriage thing on, on with Barbara Walters. Like, that interview, like, it was, like, must-see TV. I remember, like, a crowd of people watching it around the TV and, like, you know, picking apart how he's how he's drugged down. Anyway, a lot, lot to get into there. I think the answer to your question, you could say anything regarded to around the launch of the Thriller album in 84. In fact, remember when he did the moonwalk at the at the award show and, and it looked like the he Grammys, was, like... Right? Yeah, it looked like he was doing magic, basically. He's he's never been cooler than that, but you have to ask yourself is when did it turn? I think it might be the the Dangerous album in 91 with, do you remember the black or white video uh, actually started with eight minutes of him grabbing his crotch in an alley, like punching out windows in a car, and it was really weird. Yes. And he, he touched his dong like eight and eight or 900 times in like and seven Macaulay minutes. And Macaulay Culkin was in that video, right? Yeah, and they it was in such bad taste that it was pulled from TV. I really think... Like, he was throwing straight no-hitters except for lighting his hair on fire in the Pepsi commercial. Before that, Luke, he would, that really was, like, the last time he was cool as shit, right? Like, the jam video with Michael Jordan, that may have been the mountaintop. That was big. Was, also, like, if you if you weren't around at the time, the Beat It video was, like, when the guys had the two, they, when they were knife fighting, and they had, like, their wrists tied together, and they were like, I mean, dude, every Billie kid Jean in the video 80s was with like, the, that's the coolest yeah. shit ever. Dude, the Thriller video was... 
I mean, it was a music video that was like 20 minutes long, dude. It was like a... Like, Which at the time was completely unheard of. It was like a movie. I mean, it's ridiculous. Anyway, Luke, that December 3rd card in which the other MJ will be fighting on, two other matchups of no, Emily Ducati in her second UFC appearance against Angela Hill, who's fresh off of a much-needed split decision win. Yeah, no kidding. That's, by the way, I love this fight. Ducati, I've been following her for a long time. Yeah. She's a fucking beast. Her UFC debut against Jessica Penny. By the way, Penny and Hill are best friends, so she's going through everyone's friends on the same side here, it looks like. Um, but it's a tough fight. Hill is much more active and a bit of a mover in ways that Penny was not. Uh, so that's going to be interesting for Ducati to see how she navigates that. On the other hand, Ducati is a fucking sledgehammer, so this well, will be a fun one. She's really technically strong, and she believes in her boxing. I, I really like what she could be. Uh, she's got to finish people, though, Luke, on, on this level to make a, a real impact, but we'll see. Uh, Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, also on that card. I know Hot you're going to be there for that. Yeah, you're going to like that a lot, Luke. Uh, let's go to topic four quickly here. It's this weekend in boxing. Mikey writing down Netflix making a reality series about Tyson Fury and his family. Luke, you got any interest in that? Zero. Really? Less I think than, less than zero. No, no, dude. I think you're missing this. Look, Tyson, the 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 Gypsy Travelers, the the Fury family. I mean, they're wild as shit. I've, I've seen all that shit before. I'm not. Dude, I, I his his dad, John, Big John. He's uh, you can't turn away from him when he has a microphone, Luke. I think this may be this may be like this this has Ozzy Osbourne potential. Remember when that they launched that shit, dude? That was like it took yeah, over Osborne? the world. Yeah, that show was a train wreck. It was, but dude, do you remember how, like, grandmothers who never would have listened to metal music were, like, into that show, like, oh, he's so cute. Like, he he became like George Foreman in the 90s, Luke. He was like everybody's dad suddenly. Yeah, this, speaking of George, he's been uh, accused of rape. Okay, there we go. Let's transition. It has been, by the way. It's back in the 1970s uh, with underage girls. Uh, Several women, by the way. It's not just yeah. one. Yeah, it is. Uh, not, not good, but we'll see what happens with that, Luke. Uh, also this weekend in the box... ESPN top rank has a card. Uh, Luke, both guys had big-time losses to elites in this lightweight division, but how about Jose Pedraza versus Richard Comey this weekend? Uh, you know, Comey's only big losses of late were to Lomachenko and Teofimo. We know Pedraza pushed Lomachenko, gave him a very good fight, even though those scores were wide. You know, there's still some business to be done here at lightweight. If you got a name, Luke, do you care about this fight at all? Um... A little bit, a little bit. Okay. You know, uh, the thing is, uh, here's what my question for you is. I think it'll be good. I definitely think it'll be fun. If you're looking for a fun fight, I don't have any concerns. I guess what I would say is, what's really left of Comey? I don't really, I don't have a clear sense of that at this point. Uh, well, we're going to find out. He can punch. He's aggressive. We've certainly seen his ceiling against the very elite boxers. You know, and Teofimo not only outslicked him, he got him the hell out of there. Teofimo got him the hell out of there. That was in a shocking way. I mean, for people forget, we had doubts about Teofimo entering that fight because of that stinker he had against uh, the Japanese fella, Luke. And he he <laughs> he turned that around in a hurry. Um, Pedraja, you know, makes fun fights at this age, man. He's so skilled, but he pushes the pace and he gets in there. Uh, the winner gets a big fight against a big name. You know how this game works. Uh, big baby Jared Anderson, not big baby the other, the drug user, that guy, Luke, who's also comebacking at close to 300 pounds. Uh, big baby Jared Anderson will be in the co-main event. Look, Luke, he's a minus uh, 20,000 favorite. Is that accurate? It could be 20 million. Um, he might be somebody to watch. Look, you know, right? we're spoiled right now with Wilder, Joshua, Fury, uh, Usyk, and, and others, Luke. 
but you got to worry about who's coming next. And there isn't a ton of, there's, there isn't a ton of overly impressive young heavyweights. I wonder if big baby can be that also on this card, Richard Torres jr. Who, uh, uh, didn't he didn't he lose the gold medal match for the U.S. against Jalalov, who was on Showbox recently? He's going to get pushed by top rank. You know it. I don't know yet what's under the tank there, but he's also a minus 20 million favorite in his fight. F.A. Ajagba also on that card. Luke, are you going to be tuned into the zone this weekend? can punch people's fucking lights out, although his yes, last he fight can. was a stinker. Yeah, he's had some issues of late. He switched from PBC to top rank. We'll see if he can turn things around. Um, he just hasn't been overly impressive. But, Luke, do you care about um, DAZN back this weekend, KSI facing KSI. two. Speaking he's of George fight, Foreman. He's fight like two guys who are like arcade, video arcade attendants. Uh, here's, he, he's facing off here against both of them. Um, I mean, I'm sure one is driving the Uber, Luke, and one is like the catering manager of the, of the event, but um, I don't even know. I have not done my responsible due diligence to find out who these guys actually are, Luke. Will you actually watch it, though? No, I couldn't imagine spending five seconds watching okay. this. I'm not saying you need to, Luke. I'm not defending it at all. I mean, this is this is going to be interesting. Uh, I didn't want to let What on go. earth would be the appeal unless you already knew who KSI was and you care? I mean, like, I know who he is, but I don't care about him. Like, I don't care whether he lives or dies. No, you know you what gotta, I'm saying? Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I don't I don't hate him, Luke. I've actually interviewed him. He's, he's a, <laughs> it seems like a decent guy. I interviewed him in person. I'm sure, I'm uh, sure he's a nice guy, but I'm just saying if you're not into that kind of stuff, and yes. I'm not... I'm what not, would be I'm the not. appeal? It's like you're gonna watch atrocious <laughs> boxing. Like, yeah, I, you know, I, I would almost want I would want him to have to fight both like in the same fight, not one against two, but like alternating rounds or something. I don't know. Maybe I don't care at all. Uh, Luke Saturday, do you care? Bare knuckle fighting championship back off of this London pay per view with MVP and Mike Perry has a card in Albuquerque. And Luke, in the main event, I'll, I'll say this: I don't love BKFC, but they do catch me sometimes. Christine Ferreira, who won the vacant women's flyweight title from Britain Hart Beltran in their last fight, which was the rematch between the two of them, she's fighting Taylor Starling. Luke, are you aware of who Taylor Starling is? She is one of the rising figures in that division, which has such a mix of like ex-UFC people and people that look like they're ready to be in reality shows, Luke. This is a pro wrestling uh, drive-ins, diners, and dives type of event here. Taylor Starling, who was criticized heavily about how much she does on OnlyFans, but says she needs to do it in order to train full-time. Um, she's coming on. Do you see John Jones posted a picture with her, Luke? You have, no, you have no knowledge or care of this at all, right? That's correct, yes. All right, we'll keep that going. Uh, uh, this, is, this, this is so grimy that I can't not watch it. I'm telling you. John Dodson in the co-main, Luke, is going to take on Ryan Benoit. Ryan Benoit. Oh, that's actually pretty good. You like you that? Know, here's you the like thing that? about Dodson. He's not what he used to be, but... He can fucking thump. I'll tell you that much. Okay. He can fucking thump. Uh, Luke, in the opener on this card, strawweight Cassie Robb is back against Jamie Hinshaw. Do you know who Cassie Robb is, Luke? You know I don't know. Why are you asking me? Well, I'll tell you. She's nicknamed the Hulk. She's 2-11 and 11 as a professional mixed martial artist. But in her pro debut, she fought Laura Sanko, Luke. Sanko beat her ass, right? And at Invicta FC four in twenty thirteen, Sanka rear naked choke round two. Yeah, Sanka beat her, beat the fuck out of her. I've seen that fight. Okay, um, I thought it was historically relevant. You're like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore, BC. I hate you. Okay, there you go. No, 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 BC, BC. I love you. I, I love you, bro. 
Yeah, I'm just, um, yes. I just have Ebola leaking out of my yeah, nostrils. Yeah, yeah, that is a true fact. All right, we've only got a couple of them here. Maybe I've done great in Luke's absence, but we do give you the opportunity to email us every week. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Send in your artwork on Wednesdays, but on Fridays you get to point the barrel back at us. It's something that we call dead wrong. Yeah. But you better have receipts, bitch. Yes, yes. All right, Luke, this is from a few of them here. Um, one of them from down under. Uh, at two hours and 22 seconds of Monday's show, BC Talks during Have You Seen This Shit about the NFL and the Denver Broncos fan who did the war cry and then threw up, then proceeds to show an Australian NRL clip of the Brisbane Broncos versus the Melbourne Strom. Hey, BC, it was a rugby league match. Yeah, I told you in mid-form there that I did wrong myself. I didn't know what that was. I guess I thought it was college football, but it's rugby. I guess that maybe it makes more sense, Luke. It's Australian. People people will stand up shirtless and let out a war cry and then throw up, right? That's normal. I didn't see that clip, but I'll just say this. A lot of people are casual NFL fans of a lot of different types of people, like middle class, rich, poor, white, black, whatever. But if you're like a hardcore NFL team fan, it's a guarantee you're an absentee father or you <laughs> well, okay, give by, one of you. By hardcore, you mean tattoo of the team on you, uh, automatic, right? Automatic. Yeah, like if you got a tattoo of the team on you, like child services have threatened to take away your kids. Oh, wow. You've given wow. one of your partners an STD knowingly and wow, didn't okay. tell them. Okay, wh you know? okay, what about face paint at a Raiders game? What level of person are you at that point, Luke? Definitely had your car repossessed for like no good reason other than you were too lazy to pay the bill. Okay, okay, there we go. All right. Uh, we got another dead wrong for you. This one's from Edgar. During episode 338, when answering a question about which current champion in the UFC would be most likely to move up and win another title, BC answered John Jones. <laughs> Except John Jones hasn't been a champion since August 15th, 2020. I can't diagnose BC's mental deterioration, but I recommend consulting leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Uh, shout out to uh, AG1, Edgar. That was... <laughs> That was brilliant. I didn't realize in the moment. You're right. He's not a current champion at the moment. So uh, shut up, BC. I did. That's dead wrong. Uh, have your say. That's how the show works. Hey, wow, Luke. I, you were gone for like a month and I only got two dead wrongs. Not bad. Not bad, Luke. I'm, I'm proud of you, my friend. All right. I'm we really closed this show on this non-news heavy combat weekend with what? A filler segment produced by your boy BC right here. Luke, here's what we're going to do. We've done this before. I'm going to read a sentence, but one of the words are going to be missing, almost like MMA Mad Libs. It's up to you, Luke, to fill in the blank. Okay. Now, let me ask a question. Is this trivia, or is this, like, what is this? These are questions, provocative statements, potential takes, and you would need to fill in, based on your opinion, what the missing answer is but i try to stop you here and say i'm looking for one answer not the luke thomas let me read up and down wikipedia and give you 17 and so i cover all my bases i'm really looking for one answer here we go number one luke if amanda nunes were to retire tomorrow the ufc's best option regarding what to do with the vacant featherweight title would be blank if amanda nunes were to retire tomorrow the UFC's best option regarding what to do with the vacant featherweight title is to throw it in the garbage. Okay. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> You're not not wait for Kayla Harrison to come win it or or well, win women's heavyweight or whatever. You could do that, and I would be happy to do to see Kayla get an opportunity like that. But the big fight is Kayla versus Amanda. You're talking about a world where Amanda just says, "Fuck it, I'm out." Yeah. What do you have left after that? You're going to just build it around Kayla? I guess you could do that. I just don't believe that UFC is going to do that. So they're just going to punt that, you know, the the fucking belt right into the right into the trash and and pivot in out true, and go. In true UFC fashion, they probably just wait a year, then strip her, and then just leave it vacant and not talk about it. I mean, look, we do know that if you go to ufc.com/rankings, the women's featherweight division has never had a top 10 on no, that website. Nothing. They populate every other division, update it weekly. They have not once presented us with a list of who's in that division, how they should be orged, or any of that. So maybe you're right. Luke, fill in the blanks number two. The one food or drink with the best shot at giving you instant diarrhea that you avoid like the plague in public is blank. This is, this is easy, easy. Well, you know what? When I drank a lot, I'd have diarrhea all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, the old beer shits. We, you know, it's a 90s staple, Luke. I would okay. have to be on, I would drink constantly. And, I, you, you know, there's like, I would have to have Pepto-Bismol on me at all times. And now I don't need Pepto-Bismol at all. Um, so the answer is basically alcohol. But if we're going to say food, boy, this one's easy. Uh, Taco Bell. I mean, oh, yes, yes. It, that's why Taco Bell remains the king of fast food. Why? Because it doesn't make it's the only one that doesn't make you feel like shit after, during, the next day, the next week. In fact, it cleanses you, Luke. It shoots yeah. all that shit out of there. Yeah, dude. A Taco Bell, you know, uh, I used to, my, my number ones were like, I'd get a soft taco. They don't even make them anymore. I've been to Taco Bell so long, but like a double decker taco, those were my favorites. And then yeah. maybe like a seven-layer burrito. Oh, buddy. Uh, that, if, anyone that ever, three... if anyone ever asked me what what was prime Luke, forget MJ, what's prime Luke's moment in your relationship, B BC? It's when you were in Vegas together and you text me, hey, just got back, because Ve Vegas has that Taco Bell cantina with the alcohol. Just got yeah. back from the Taco Bell cantina, uh, spent $79. You know, we'll probably eat, you know, $1.50 of it. I mean, that was prime Luke Thomas, you know? Yes, yes. Uh Taco Bell is for sure like, oh, I'm a little stopped up. Yo, yo, go have a bean burrito. That problem is solved. Lickety yeah, split. Damn right. Uh, for me, Luke, it's a uh, apple juice. Can't can't do it. Can't do it, Luke. I'm gonna, apple you know juice. Apple juice. If I took, if I drank a glass. Who are you, just, my daughter? I think so, Luke. I'm sorry. All right, it gets 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 a. Uh, it turns into warfare after that. Uh, number three, Luke. Imagine you could switch bodies with one professional boxer for 24 hours and turn DM requests into conquests, without hesitation, you would pick blank. Anthony Joshua. Ooh. Anthony Josh. Anthony Joshua is built like a fucking... I mean, it's funny that... like People don't understand this. Like You can be real athletic and have a nice physique, but the guys who win like the big bodybuilding contests, Ronnie Coleman being the famous, most famous among them, but like others like Jay Cutler and stuff, or even Schwarzenegger like from our generation, they have a certain aesthetic quality to it, right? Like Wilder is bricked up or, you know, muscular as well, or, you know, pick somebody. There's a lot of guys that are pretty muscular, but AJ, oh, do his DMs must just be, you know, I can only imagine. I can only imagine the kind of, you know, you might offers, be right. let's put it that way, that he's fielding. Uh, it must be, it must it. be amazing. Okay, knee jerk, I'm going with Ryan Garcia. 
but he does attract a younger crowd. Maybe I'm an old bitch and I need to translate that and take it off. Canelo would not be a bad answer. You know, maybe even Tyson sure. Fury wouldn't. But uh, AJ well, does have that. to be. Okay. All right. Damn, you hate Tyson Fury, I'm finding out. No, right. I like Tyson Fury well. I mean, he hates immigrants. But, I mean, as a boxer, I think the world of him. But I mean, know, whatever it, category you are, he has 100% said something offensive about you at some point. There's no yeah. question about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, he used to be known for that, and he's kind of cleaned that up. And <laughs> he's, he's, he's used his comeback to rework his image in many ways. Um, all right, Luke, number four. If Charlie Olives decapitated Islam Mahachev... And Habib came out of retirement to avenge his brethren. Blank is the number that oddsmakers would assign to Nurmagomedov as the opening line. Minus 200. Wow. Instantly the favorite. Instantly, Luke. Well, again, to open the line. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think you're talking about the the greatest lightweight of all time who said he would never come back. Now he's going to be back. What line do you open with to induce betting and also kind of tell the truth about how you might see the, the matchup? I think most odds makers would favor Habib, whether they should or they shouldn't. They probably would. And they probably would juice it a little bit to get some money down on it. Yeah, for sure. In this fake scenario, his like values and, and um, integrity is so firm that, that we, we never think it, it will happen or could happen that he can come back. But in this fake scenario, if he came back to avenge his fallen brethren who got like head kicked in the first minute, Luke... He'd be on, like, the warpath, dude. He would come in there and, uh, yeah, yeah. He's like a superhero at this point. Wow, Luke, let's see if you can get through this. Here we go. Number five. Luke, if your wife was nine months pregnant in a broken elevator, blank would be the male Malka employee you would most trust to deliver the baby. Oh, Jesus. These fucking zeros are going to deliver my child? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, more than just delivering the child, Luke, they're going to go where no man but you has gone before, you know? I mean, we can't even rely, rely on them for consistent audio. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people waiting I'm, on the I'm phone here. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, a lot of people waiting with their reputation in the balance to see if you call their name right now, Luke. It's like the draft, right? We're looking in the green you know room. What? You, know who, you know who has surged up the Mulca power rankings? This is not my answer. But I do, I, I have to say this. I really do. Do you know who has, I mean, this person was a complete, not even on the fucking list. And now, like, top wow. five, maybe even top three. You know who has made a huge change? Ashley. Ooh. Ashley. Oh, wow. Wow. Ashley has you're... gotten a oh, lot wow. better. A lot better. Boy, when my kid just... got real sick, when my kid got real sick, she was the only one who reached out and asked and stuff like that. Like. It's probably because um, she gave us all COVID that time. She felt bad. She so did. She, she had, did. She, yeah, she was, yeah. She's a walking super spreader. But um, in general, I would say Ashley. But the answer would be, I mean, well, it definitely wouldn't be Phil. Phil would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, filthy Phil gave helped give birth. That was great. Yeah. Dude, Tristan would just, you know. Oh, God. I don't know. He'd get a tattoo of the baby on his arm next to that wolf, dude. And, he, and he'd probably just be covered in blood for no reason. Um, I mean, look. Jake, I, I know the. Jake. I have my answer. I have my answer. It's, and by the way, it's not Pennington James who would try to write write a fucking song in the middle of the. What a the answer might be is. Jake, dude. It might be Jake is no, the salt of this earth. It's Corey. Corey. Oh wow. Corey like, is the guy. Corey yeah. is the guy. Like, you know. Manich, all right. He's the one who's centered. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Wow, yeah, Manish I mean, jumping in, say I didn't even know he was yeah. working today. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, Corey's also a zero as well. I want him to know that as I talk on the air, but he's less of a zero. All right. Uh wow. Okay. Gaff, you can deliver any further offspring I have as well. Okay, even though I had that. Yeah, Gaff's on that list. Gaff's on that list. Jake's on that my list. My libido and yeah. All right. Let's keep it going here. Uh number six, Luke, on this fill in the blank. I don't know if this segment will ever come back. It's up to the people here. Uh with the exception of Tuki, your wife or anything to do with Latin American culture, the category you have most in common with Abuela right now is blank. I don't understand the question. Uh, when you talk to Abuela on the regular, outside of talking to her about Tuki or your wife or, <laughs> or, or like, you know, things to do directly with Latin American culture, what do you guys talk about? What's your connection? Do you, do you think we what? sit around and talk about Latin American culture? Like, I don't even understand what that means. You could say, oh, we always talk about the damn uh, Bruno movie, or we always talk about this food that we love so much. I mean, Luke, what the hell do you and that lady talk about? That's what the people want to know. Well, the reality is, I mean, you say it's distinct, but it's just a big part of my life. Abuela um, and I have a very similar taste in food. Oh, uh, let's get not into just that. Not yeah. just Latin American, not just Latin American, like all kinds, all kinds. Okay. Um, we like to eat at the same places. We like the same kinds of foods. So I can usually, if she's with us, I can usually rely on her like, hey, let's take a vote. I and know you can I've use that influence to win the debate, to win the vote. That's ge that's Trump level genius, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that usually uh, I can play a Trump card with that a little bit. Literally a um, Trump card food. like that. Yeah, food. nice yeah. work right there. All right, boy. Does she like it spicy, Luke? Uh, some stuff. Not, not like I like it, but some stuff. All right, this but is Colombian what we have to is, talk Colombian about. Colombian food is right? not spicy at all. It's not. Oh, yeah. All right. They don't eat spicy. spicy. Just the women. Yes, got it. All right. Uh, number seven, Luke. Outside of BC reinventing the Risen debacle on a much larger scale, blank is the most likely reason that MK would come to a sudden end over the next two years. Well, one of us is surely going to die an early death, right? I mean, that's going to happen. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's an acceptable answer, Luke. I mean, <coughs> look at me. <coughs> I have to get a colonoscopy in two weeks. Oh, boy, dude. That's... Have you had one yet? No, my wife did, and I, I, can't, I don't. I can't. I can't, and I don't. Dude, Would you you're supposed to, after to, the age of 40, you're supposed to get one ducks. every year, man. One every year? Yeah. Dude, I'm still negotiating with my doctor whether I'll ever get another uh, prostate check, Luke. Well, I, I, I'm told that like oh, after you turn 40 as like a medical screening, you're supposed to get one every year. So I have to go and get mine checked uh, in a couple of a couple of weeks. I mean, there's no way like even if it's not even for the health issues, like one of us is going to get hit by a bus or yeah, you know like fall fall down a manhole texting I think the people, something stupid. I think the people, if they're being honest, because this is America here, Luke. They want to see us have a violent breakup, right? And then we go our own ways and we talk bad about each other and we do this whole thing and we're always trying to one-up each other. But then we both get to a certain point in our careers where we have nothing, nowhere else to go and then we reunite. Not because we want to, because there's nothing else to do. And then the people would just be like, fucking A, right, man. I always knew these guys would get back together. And it's like when Harry Met Sally podcast edition, all right? Yes, there's that theory as well, but I tend to think that if something breaks us up, it is most certainly going to be death. All right, all right. <laughs> Number eight, Luke, uh, blank, is the best active MMA fighter today to never win an interim or undisputed UFC title. 
Uh, like, are we talking about a veteran here? We're talking about among active MMA fighters globally, who is the best one right now in terms of where they would rank pound for pound right now, not in their in their legacy and what they've accomplished, but who they are right now who has never won a piece of the UFC title. Um, maybe Rachmanov or Chimaev. See, that's it. That that that's why I that that was the creation of this question was to force you to sort of jump early and say maybe it really is those guys. So it's what it's because we don't know. It's what we don't know. Right. Luke. We don't we don't actually know, which is the problem. So I'm guessing, but if I had to guess, I'm going to put one of them too, as like. That, you know, one of them is going to have a belt on in 2023 or 2024 for sure. Okay. If not both. Well, the real answer is Islam Mahachev, but let's let's be fair, okay? Okay. It, uh, okay. Yeah, you can put him on that list too. Yeah. Mikey says Yoel Romero, but at the moment he's not. But at the like, mo yeah, but say at the moment though, is that really true? No, at the moment this isn't a question <laughs> to say who's the best to never win a UFC title. That's Dan Henderson, probably, probably, right? Probably. That's yes, a different that's question. Right. That's right. Uh, two more. Here we go. Number nine, Luke. On fill in the blank. Vaping, Delta products, and childcare notwithstanding, the one item in your life that you currently spend way more money on than you should is blank. My home gym. My home gym. It's more expensive than you could ever imagine. Like this, you know, and I bought into the scam, you know, because not that, not that having a stuff at home is bad. Actually, it's great. But... You know, to get the kind of stuff you actually need or want in my case, it turns out <coughs> you have to buy a lot of shit and it just ends up being way more expensive than you ever imagined. Oh, I got this $700 deadlift bar. I got this, you know, $150 kettlebell. I got this, I don't know. I got it. My wife got me a pull-up bar that was like 200 bucks and shit. You add it all up, man. It's a fucking minivan I could buy with that fucking thing. And then you got to move it out to the front yard every time you lift. I mean, that sucks. That's right. Like, all the weights and everything I have to transport out to the front yard to go lift and then bring everything back. How did you not see the future and see this was going to be a failed? Right. Do you have an indoor I'm, workout Because I'm a space? fucking idiot, dude. Well, how okay. did I mean, you know this? Look, we all I, have. Holes, I am stupid. Okay. I have a lot of them. I just don't bring them up during the show. My wife will tell you about them, though, Luke. Uh, thank you for answering that, answering that honestly. We have one more to close this. Luke, number 10, outside of Conor McGregor or Dana White, blank is the boxing or MMA-related guest that would drive the most traffic for room service diaries if they met up on our couch in Jersey City. Ooh. Ooh, that's a big one. Um Mike Tyson. Great answer. Great um, answer. Mike Tyson's a good one. I think Izzy would do sick numbers, believe it or not. What about Jake Paul? Not that I'm pushing for it necessarily, no, but it could be interesting. I don't even want to talk to him on the... I mean, you know, I'll, I'll cover his fights or whatever, but like... Yeah. I'm not but I won't hang out him. with him. Yeah, I get it. Well, it's I not even it. that. It's just like, dude, like, with, I mean, the guy's... What, what is he, Twenty. 526 like you haven't seen life yet you know um gsp guys a little bit older gsp is in no. this conversation no no he's not no mike he's says both, both he says both valentina sisters you mean shevchenko fuckface um and i've had both shevchenko sisters on the air before together at the same time oh, wow like, 
Wow, double rainbow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. No, that wouldn't do the numbers either. Uh, I feel like they. You know. You know who uh, Showtime is pushing on us. We haven't t- said this on the air. They really Ooh. want us to interview Liver King, and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, I'd do that in a second, Luke. Liver King. Oh, you think I want to talk to this zero? We could tra- just we made could, up fucking we anthropology. We could challenge the shit out of him, Luke. Okay. What does that do? He's just gonna deny it. Do you know he's the same age as me? Luke, we're both 44. (coughs) Yeah, well, he's on all the drugs, and uh, you're not, so. Yeah. I'm on other ones. Uh, Mikey wants Colby Covington. Yeah, I mean, nobody would. would. No, no. Why would you want Colby Covington? He's just going to. Dude, I want people that are going to tell interesting stories about their interesting lives, not pro wrestling characters who are going to tell us fucking everyone's a nerd and virgin who likes Spider-Man or something. Yeah, I don't give a shit about that stuff anymore, you know? Okay. Um, there you go. There's our show for the week, Luke. Okay, we're talking about you know, the most. No, no, no. You know who would do? You know, okay, said. because he's a combat sports fan. You know who would do the biggest numbers? And I'm being dead serious. Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. We could talk to him about affliction. We could talk to him about uh, Vitor versus uh, Evander Holyfield and all that shit. My man, yeah, the UFC. Yeah. My man. My man would be ratings bonanza. I mean, our fans would love it, Luke. My parents would probably love it, too. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. All right. There we go. Thank you, Florida, for that one. Uh, Luke, we're going to let you die in peace because uh, I think we're, we're done with this show. But a reminder to folks, if you want to wear the same merch that we're wearing, that we're drinking out of. In fact, I'll sell you this one used if you really want it. Go to morningcombat.store. I'm telling you, the merch is high quality. The bomber jackets that are for sale now until they run out. It's really probably the best stuff we sell. You'd actually buy it if it if it was in like H and M or some shit. I don't know. I don't know where you shop. I don't care. What do you shop at Tommy Bahama Bahami? I mean, I don't know what they, what even is that. Is Luke alive anymore? Uh, you can support us on Showtime by uh, trying out for thirty days free. Showtime.com. Why don't you get that app? Why don't you stream that shit? Okay, Bellator boxing movies, Bill Cosby, right? Yeah. Hey, okay. what happened to my Cabal Bell interview? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think it's in the same closet where they keep us when we have that free throw contest in the uh, Billy Madison. Uh, uh, no, they better put that shit out. We got to figure that out. We'll figure yeah, it. yeah, it was a great day. That was a great day. Uh, when we die, they'll posthumously, posthumously. Like, hey, we want to send you to uh, wash dads to the middle of uh, gang turf to go do yeah. some free throw shooting. Um, it's, you know, we want to have it sort of a real urban blight background. Can we go do that and then never publish it? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we can Yo, do. People were yelling at us from adjoining buildings there, uh, while we were playing. And also the court was made of milk crates. I mean, yes, yes. V- yes. Very well thought out decisions. What I'm yes. talking about. And then some guy got out of a car and was like, I'm going to go to my car, get my other knife, cut all you fools up you know and i was like white man can't jump all over again it was great um luke that you look uncomfortable by that joke uh that's the show for today are you all right oh good okay that's just your regular default look uh thank you to uh manich gaff long island luke mikey morms all the people that work well i mean do they 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 check their phone a lot but that are work behind the scenes on this show um my name is brian campbell that's luke thomas uh it's a slow weekend but you can spend that slowness by voting for us World MMAawards.com slash nominees morning combat best MMA broadcasting, I think. I don't know. Um for Luke Thomas, I am your boy BC. Um take care of yourself this weekend. Have fun. Enjoy the sun. 
And uh, may all your hoes stay loyal. They never, they never do though. They, I mean, they, they ain't loyal. They're not, they're not loyal at all, right? Like, you know, you find yourself a good one, you're lucky, okay? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Wow, right? You know what I mean? I got 99 problems, you know, but, you know, right? I mean, I don't, is, are we live? Okay, great. Good. That's great.